All right, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to, uh, first, to 2 Corinthians tonight, chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll read one verse tonight in verse 6. In verse 6 tonight, as we stand in honor of God in His so worthiness that He is, that we may stand in His honor. My, I tell you tonight, what a privilege that is, just the thought of that tonight, to stand in Jesus' honor. Stand for the Word's sake. My, what a blessing. Here in chapter 13 in verse 6, it says, But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. Father, we come to you. His name and Lord, I ask you to give us help tonight in understanding the scripture. Father, this is real powerful verses in which we've been preaching on and reading. And, and Lord, I pray tonight, Father, that you'd give us a clear understanding of what Paul was trying to say and wants to say to this Corinth church. And, and God, may tonight, Lord, we find ourselves lined up with Paul. And Lord, I pray you lead to God the service that may Jesus be glorified in it. Father, I pray again, Lord, you'll save us soul. I ask you tonight, God, to help a Christian. I pray, Father, that you clarify and clear up many things in the hearts of your people. Father, do something real special here tonight, Lord. Meet with us, breathe on us, look upon us. God, we ask tonight, God, that you didn't camp about us. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. And so uh, we've been preaching for a couple of weeks on this passage, and, and we'll not rehash that at all. I just want to say tonight that Paul has come to the church of Corinth and in coming to the church of Corinth, he's had doubt about them. And he made an ultimatum to them. He told them, he said, listen, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to examine yourselves, whether you're in the faith, and to prove your own selves. And then he makes a statement in verse 5. He says, uh, no, you're not your own selves. And he said uh, this statement here, how that Jesus is in you, except you be reprobates. And so the Paul saying to the church of Corinth, either you got Christ in you or you don't have Christ in you. And if you don't have Christ in you, then you're reprobate. Paul says in verse 6, he says, I want you to know something, church. I want you to know that I am not a reprobate. Now that ought to be tonight the very heart of every single one of us tonight speaking to our church and speaking to your family and speaking to those tonight uh, that know you. It ought to be tonight, I want to let you know and I want you to know tonight that I am not a reprobate. That's what Paul was saying to the church of Corinth and I want to preach on that thought tonight about proving you're not a reprobate. Proving that. And so we find that Paul said to them, uh, I trust uh, that you shall know. In other words, I, I want you to know. I want you to be very clear. I don't want no doubts. I don't want any, anyone leaving out of here looking at anybody else thinking, well, are they reprobates? I don't want you leaving out of here thinking, am I a reprobate? I don't want anybody walking out of here that is a reprobate. And so tonight I want everybody to know before we leave out of here that I want you to know that I am not a reprobate. 
And so tonight in that, it's going to bring much comfort. It's going to bring much uh, help to you. Uh, it will either show you tonight what you need to do and what you not need to do. But tonight, it will be all settled up by the end of the night, hopefully tonight, in the Scripture. Now, I want you to notice as we look at Paul and as we look at Paul's life, and we're going to, we're going to take Paul's life tonight in the, in the chapters in which he wrote, and we're going to compare them in some kind of way to the Corinth church. And we find tonight, as Paul said to them, that I'm in doubt of you, uh, that you're going to have to prove yourself that you're not a reprobate. And now Paul says, I am not a reprobate. Well, then prove it, Paul. Really? I mean, right? That if Paul's going to dish it out, he's going to have to take it. If Paul's going to tell the church of Corinth, and you examine yourself, whether you're in the faith, prove yourself, well, then the church can turn around to Paul and say, okay, Paul, you, you need to examine yourself. You need to prove yourself as well whether you're in the faith and whether tonight Christ is in you and, uh, and whether you're a reprobate or not. And so we're going to find tonight as we look at Paul and we look at Paul and how he done things and how he practiced and, and how Paul went forth in his life and how he lived tonight and the things that he believed in, the things that he taught tonight. And you're going to hopefully see tonight that Paul said, you'll know that I am not a reprobate. And you're going to say at the end of the night, no, Paul was not a reprobate and neither am I. And so with need number one, I want you to notice Paul's profession. Paul's profession. Look at go all the way back to 2 Corinthians tonight in chapter 1. And uh, we'll just kind of go through the chapter, the 2 Corinthians, the book, and kind of show some things tonight uh, proving that Paul was not a reprobate and neither will you be if you'll have the same testimony or you'll have the same lifestyle in which Paul has presented. His profession tonight, I notice, is in verse 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God and even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I want you to notice tonight in Paul's profession, remember now, Paul's writing the book. And remember now that the Holy Ghost of God is speaking to Paul, directing Paul, leading Paul. Paul is not writing about Paul. Paul is writing about the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is writing about Paul. And so tonight what we have read and what we have going to read tonight is going to be truth. It's going to be the Word of God tonight. And you can just know it's real. And you know tonight, your God, that God is the one tonight who has pinned it down. And I want you to notice in Paul's profession, his calling tonight. He said, I am apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is his profession tonight. Who are you, Paul? I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means I have been chosen by Jesus Christ. I am one that not chose Christ, but Christ chose me. I didn't go out looking for Jesus. Jesus came out looking for me. I wasn't one out that was out there trying to find. I was out there killing the church. I was out there putting the church in jail, in prison. I was against the way of that day. I was the very enemy of them. I hated the church. I hated the Christian. I was not at all in favor of Jesus Christ. He was not one that I had any kind of desire to even meet. And one day I was going my way and coming back from Jerusalem. And next thing I know here was a light that brought forth blindness in my eyes and I heard a voice say Paul 
Or Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? At that time, I, I didn't know exactly who that might be. And he said, who are you? Lord. Bible says he fell on his knees before God. From that day on, Paul knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. From that day on, Jesus said to Paul, Paul, you're going to be blind, and I'm going to lead, get somebody to lead you where I want you to go. And when I get you to where you need to go, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do, Paul, and how you're going to be an apostle of mine unto the Gentiles. And we find tonight exactly that what took place in chapter 9 of Acts tonight. And Paul says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I've been chosen by Jesus Christ. In verse 1 it says, by the will of God. Not only was I chosen by Jesus Christ, but I was called by God. God himself by the will of God. This was the will of God. This was the creator will. This was the maker's will. This is the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. This is the God of glory. This is the God of gods tonight. He's the only true living God there is tonight. The most powerful God. The most only God. The God tonight that will be here before and be here at the end tonight. That God has said I called Paul to be an apostle. The will of God. And so we find tonight in Paul's profession, he's telling the church of Corinth, listen, it wasn't me. <laughs> I, I didn't have anything to do with this apostleship. I didn't have anything to do with this will of God. I didn't have anything to do with this call in my life and me being chosen. I'm just letting you know I'm apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Amen. And so we find tonight immediately in his profession, his calling. I notice number two, his confession. In verse 2, he confesses that, that, that God is the Father. Look what he says. He says, uh, grace be to you and peace from God our Father. And so I see right there that Paul was making a profession and a way of confession that God is the Father. That's very clear. That's very plain tonight that he is the Father. But then he says, number 2 in verse 2, he says that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And friend, he's saying tonight in the way of his profession that I believe that the Father is God and then I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that with all my heart. I profess it. I write it. The Holy Ghost of God pins it down. You can more sure tonight. The Bible says that the, the Word of God is settled in heaven tonight. And that's what it says that Paul believes that Jesus is Lord and God is the Father. We pray tonight in this way of of calling, this way of confession. And then I notice thirdly tonight, his claim. He claimed in verse 2, he says, God is our Father. In other words, he's not just the Father, but he's my Father. I'm in relationship with the God of this universe. I'm in fellowship with the creator of all this world. Me and him, it's personal to me. I'm telling you, Fred, he is our father. And that is something tonight that I can say and take ownership of. I own him and he owns me. Amen. I'm his and he is mine. And we find tonight, number two, he finds in verse three that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Amen. Oh, he's not, just, he's not just tonight the Lord, but he's our Lord. 
and he belongs to me and I've got a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. I've got personal fellowship with him. I've got communion with him tonight. I've got a closeness to him tonight. I'm with him. He's in me. I'm in him tonight. We go together. We're together. We'll always be together. He's my Lord. Tonight Paul was just claiming that. He's claiming that's our father. That's my father. That's my Lord. And tonight we find in his way of claim in verse 3, he said that our God is a God that is gracious. He says that there in that verse 3, he said the Father of mercies. In other words, he's gracious tonight because it's the Father tonight, God, that gives salvation. He says, number 2, that our God is peace. For our God brings peace to our lives. None of y'all have peace. None of us have peace without Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace tonight. Paul was making claim that our God is gracious and our God is peace and our God is merciful. And that means he shows mercy toward the sinner. There's any way that you and I can be saved tonight is because of the mercy of God. That God looked upon us and he didn't give to us tonight what we deserved. We deserve hell. We deserve judgment. And God said, I don't know. I don't want to give that to you. I'm going to be merciful to you. And then we find tonight, as he said, our God is not only merciful, but our God is comfort. For he shares comfort with us tonight. In that verse, that verse 3 said, he's the God of all comfort. Tonight, he's the one that brings that comfort into our lives. He's the one who puts that settlement into our soul. He's the one that calms our spirits. He's the one that puts a rest on our bodies. He's the one that takes our minds and says, it's going to be okay, dear child. It's the one, friend, when we find ourselves in a place of discomfort. It's the God of all comforts that comes by and just lays his hands upon us and breathes upon us and looks upon us and says, I'm the God that will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm the God that will be with you to the end of the world. I am the God of all comfort. You can trust in me. Paul's making a claim. Tonight, his profession. Paul professes tonight to be saved. He professes tonight to know that he's saved. He professes tonight that he believes and he trusts in Jesus, the Son of God. We find that again. Look in verse 19 of the same chapter. He says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Sabanius and Timotheus, uh, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, yes. under the glory of God, or the glory by us. Now we which establish us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us with the given earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Does that sound like tonight a reprobate? Does that sound like tonight someone that God said I disapproved? A God says I reject and a God says that I'm worthless? Oh no, not according to Paul's profession tonight. You would have to say he's not a reprobate. 
I'm telling you tonight all that he believed and all that he said and all that he that he was connected to and all tonight in which he would tell us tonight I would say to you without a shadow of a doubt that it was God that called me it was God that saved me it was God that anointed me it was God that sealed me it was God that found me when I was lost it was God that brought salvation into my life he granted me repentance he put forth faith in my heart tonight and if I'm saved tonight it's because Jesus Christ saved me that's what Paul said. I don't see Paul tonight in his profession being a reprobate, do you? I pray tonight in your profession that it would be seen that you're not a reprobate either. We see number two tonight, not only Paul's profession, but I want you to notice the premise of Paul. When I talk about the premise of Paul, I'm talking about how did he, and what basis, and what foundation, how did Paul operate? What I'm saying tonight is, is this is important for you and I how we operate. Many people operate on feelings. Right? I mean, feelings is kind of my goal. I, I, I go how I feel. You ever hear somebody say this? Well, I'm going to go with my gut feeling. Yeah. That's how some people live for God. Right. On my gut feeling. Uh, that won't work. Uh, some people say, you know what? I'm going to go with the odds. The odds. You know, I'm kind of a gambler. And I, well, the odds are, that's how I'm going to go. No, that ain't going to work neither. And some of us say, well, I'm going to go, uh, you know, wherever it just makes sense. Right? Well, if it makes sense, well, then I'm going to do that or I'm going to go there. I'll be part of that. But the premises in which Paul moved and Paul lived and Paul walked with God tonight are on some premises that you and I have to have in order to be not a reprobate. The first premise that I noticed tonight in which Paul lived his life on was in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. And there, look in verse 12. The Bible says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have our conversation, that's a lifestyle, in the world and more abundantly to youward. And what Paul was saying was this, listen, I live according to my conscience. My conscience tonight is pure with God. You know what a conscience is? A conscience is that, is that part of you that every single one of us has been built with. And without even being told, without even being shown, without even being uh, uh, really instructed, when things in life come in life and we do what we don't even know that we're not supposed to do, there is something within us saying, you know what, that wasn't right. Like somebody, for example, tonight, somebody would go to a child, a six or seven year old child, and just go up to them and slap them. What conscience would say, that ain't right. Or somebody would find a little, a little old lady uh, falling down on the street and people just walking around her. You'd say, boy, that ain't right. We'll find tonight that you might go. We're talking about finding a bag of money today. And you find a bag of money, amen, and $12,000 out in the parking lot. And you pick up that bag of money of $12,000. You look around. You say, I wonder who belongs this, who belongs this, who, who owns this, who's it belong to? You say, what do I do now with it? Well, if you take it home, your conscience is going to eat you up. 
If you take it to the manager and give it to the manager and the manager takes it and it's off, your conscience will be okay. And so what is conscience tonight? And Paul was saying, listen, I am not living, I am not doing for what the atmosphere allows me to do. I'm not doing and what everybody else is wanting me to do. I am not doing what I do because I feel like it. I work off of the conscience that God's put in me. Tonight we need to know that those that are not reprobates work on, off a of conscience. That means tonight that he was pure with God. He said, my conscience is in simplicity, in godly sincerity. He says, I'm pure with God. I'm pure with God because my conscience is pure with God. Now I am I pure with God, but I am clean with God. That what I'm doing and what I'm saying and what I'm preaching and how I'm living and where I'm going, my conscience is clear with God. Right. It's God is sincerity and it's simplicity. I'm pure. I'm clean. I'm telling you, a church, I'm approved with God. That's what the word conscience means tonight. And so Paul didn't work off the cuff. Paul didn't work off of feelings. Paul didn't work off of the best way. Paul didn't work off of any way. Paul worked off the conscience that God placed in his heart. And that's how I live. Tonight, is that how you live? In conscience. Number two, I noticed tonight that Paul's premise was his conscience, but I noticed his premise also was his call. Look at, first, look at, look at Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. Do you... He says, moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to you spare you I came not as unto, unto the, uh, the Corinth. And what he's saying there is this, is I am where I'm at and doing what I'm doing and I'm calling God to be a witness of my soul. Amen. I'm not asking you to be a witness of my soul. You can't see my soul. But I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm telling you tonight, I'm calling God. I'm asking God, you be a witness. You be a record of my soul. You look down in my soul and see what I really am. That's, that's a person tonight whose premises is calling on God, saying, you judge my soul. You, I call you to be a witness to it, Lord. Am I doing, what am I doing? You be a witness to it. Witness of God, he's asking God, you witness me. What I'm preaching, what I'm doing, how I'm living. You be a witness, God. Look at my soul. It means tonight to testify of my soul. God, I'm asking you tonight, tell me. Tell me, Lord, as a witness. Tell me what is who will testify. You tell me about my soul. I'm calling on you to do that. That's bold tonight. That how we live is calling on God, asking him to be a witness of our very soul. We find it means tonight the record of our heart. God, see, see my heart. Know my heart tonight. I know my heart. It's wicked tonight, but I want you to know my heart, Lord. I want you to look down deep in my soul. I want you to look and give me a record of it, Lord. Testify of what I say I am. I am because he testifies of it. We find thirdly tonight, Paul's premises was his conviction. Look at 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13. Chapter 2 and verse 13. We find tonight, Paul said this, I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went then, thence from Macedonia. 
Paul saying, this is my conviction. That I can only do and I can only go whenever I have rest in my spirit. In other words, I don't, I'm not a, a, a jerker. I'm not one who's just going to go hastily here. I'm not one who's going to make a decision tonight quickly. I'm not going to just go anywhere I want to go. I, I'm not in charge of my life. If he called me. I didn't call him. And you know what? Where my spirit lets me go, I will go. But here I have no rest in my spirit, so I had to do something different tonight. And what he's saying tonight is this, is it's a conviction in mind tonight that I follow the spirit. The Spirit is the guide of my life. The Spirit is the one who leads and guides and tells me and lets me know. Not my flesh, not people, not circumstances, not situations. The Spirit gave me no peace. The Spirit gave me no joy. The Spirit gave me no rest. And so I had to do something different here. Hallelujah, Paul. I would love to know tonight that you and I tonight is living our lives based on the conviction of the Spirit of God bringing guidance and leadership into our lives. Sometimes He stops us and sometimes He says go. Sometimes He says be quiet and sometimes He says talk. Sometimes He says preach and sometimes He says love. But whatever He says, whatever He allows, I just allow Him to that work in my heart. We find, fourthly, his premise tonight was his clarity. Look at chapter 2 and verse 17. He says, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as some sincerity, but as God in the sight of God speaketh we, or speak we in Christ, in the sight of God. Paul saying, You know what my premise is? And why I do what I do and say what I say? And my premise tonight is this, is the clarity, is because God is watching. I do it in the sight of God. Jesus is watching. The Spirit of God is watching. All tonight that I do, whether it's in my home, whether it's at my work, whether it's in my church, whether it's at dark, whether it's on a Friday, whether it's on a Monday, whether somebody's around, whether nobody's around, whether it's in my closet or whether it's in my front yard, it don't matter tonight. God is watching. Amen. That's the clarity of Paul. Uh-huh. That's the premises that I do what I do because he's watching. He's watching every move. He's watching every word. He's watching every second. He knows what I think. He knows my intentions. He knows my motives. In the sight of God. Does that sound like a reprobate to anybody? Don't sound like one to me. Well, Paul's premise tonight was, I do what I do in the sight of God. Number five, I want you to notice his confidence. Look in chapter 3 and verse 4. He says... And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as ourse- of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's his premise. His premise tonight is my confidence is not in me. My confidence is not in my strength. My confidence is not in my mind. My confidence is not in my abilities. My confidence is not in my intellect. My confidence is not who I know. My confidence is not my experience in life. My sufficiency is in God. That's my confidence tonight. 
I don't look to man for help. I don't look for man for hope. I don't look for man to pat me on the back and bring joy in my life. My sufficiency is God. I don't look for nobody to get me out of a bind. I don't look for anybody to get me out of a tough spot. I don't try somebody to call me, text me, uh, to, to come to my house, to ask me to go and to do and that. Listen, friend, my sufficiency is in, Paul, is in God. Paul said, my sufficiency is in God. Tonight I'm telling you, that's his premise. It's, I have confidence in him. God is my ability. God is my strength and God is my help tonight. Many a folk tonight cannot live the Christian life unless they have the person next to them. Because that's their sufficiency. Many, many people today can't go on with God unless they have a perfect situation like money in their pocket. I've seen so many people tonight who have money in the bank and money in the pocket. They'll walk through those doors, man, showing all 32 teeth. And you let something go on when they don't have no money in their pocket and they got no money in the bank and you don't see nothing but a frown for a week. You don't even know they have teeth. You know what I'm telling What it's saying is saying that their sufficiency is in their money. Oh, we have seen when a husband and wife are just giggly and husband and wife is like they just first got met, they met and they're first in, in, you know, engaged and, and they got that little uh, honeymoon going on and, and everything's good. They walk in holding hands, smiling. Amen, hallelujah, glory to God. Isn't life good? God's so good. But you let them come in here and have a little spout. They have a little disagreement. They have a little word to one another. One to walk in, then the other one to walk in. One to walk in, sit down, the other one sit down a little further away from them. They have any children, they put children between them. Amen! And then all the whole time they're saying, God is my sufficiency, God is my sufficiency. Liar. Liar. Oh, listen, your kids are young. Your kids are controllable. Your kids are this. Your kids are that. I mean, listen, Fred, you're under control. But what do your kids get 14, 15, 16, 17 years old? Oh, yeah. You better have some sufficiency of God right there. <laughs> what do they at 20, 21? They bring home somebody. I want to marry that one. What is that? Where in the world did that come from? Right. I just love them. I love them for who they are, and I love them for who they might be. <laughs> he told me that he is the greatest. I just believe him. Sufficiency. Sufficiency. Your daughter comes home. She says, Mom and Dad, I'm pregnant. Sufficiency. Boy comes home. Hey, Mom, Dad, my girlfriend's got twins. He's in high school. Where's your sufficiency? Hey, man, I'm just saying tonight, Paul says, my premise is God is sufficient. That's my premise. That's tonight my confidence. Number six, his carefulness. Look at chapter four, verse two. 
He said, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That was Paul's carefulness, that he was going to give the truth to every man's conscience. To give the truth to every man's conscience is telling us tonight that he's going to give the truth to every man's conscience and not his head. In other words, not what he wants to hear. Not what makes him feel good. Not what makes him feel better. But whatever the conscience is, Paul said that's what we go to. Tonight, that's where Paul's premise was. He was careful about not saying and doing things that will please the man, but reach the conscience. That ought to be ours tonight. Number two, now as he say, that tells the truth that reaches the conscience of man, but by doing that, he's doing it in the sight of God. Again, God is watching. And Paul is saying, I want you to watch. Paul's saying tonight, when we go home, he would say, God, I want you to watch me. I want you to watch me as I go home and what channel I turn on and what music I listen to. I want you to watch me at home. I want you to watch me at work tomorrow. I want you to watch me when I get off at work. I want you to watch me at night. I want you to watch me 24. I want you to watch me seven days. I want you to watch me 365 days a year. I want you to watch me until the day I die. Paul says, I'm careful. We find tonight Paul's constraint. Look, in, look there in chapter 5. And look in verse 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us. Paul said, That is what moves me. That is what drives me. And that is what compels me. What is it, Paul? You want to be popular? Paul, you want to be rich? Paul, you want to be well known? Paul, you want to be out there amongst the church? And everybody says, Wow, that's old Paul. No, Paul says, it's the love of Christ that constraineth me. <laughs> That's what drives me to be the husband I am. That's what compels me to be the wife I am. Uh, that's, what, that's what takes me and brings me to the driving point of I want to be the father and the husband and the mother and the, and the wife. And I want to be that person because the love of Christ is what brings me there. Amen. Right? Not the love of my wife right. or the love of my children of the love of my boss, but the love of Christ. I am who I am because of the love of Christ. I will always be what I am with Christ because of Christ. Amen. We're just talking about the premise of Paul. How did he live? He's proven tonight that he's not a reprobate. We find here his commendation. Look at chapter 6 and verse 4. He says, but in all things approving commendation. He's condemning, commending himself. He says, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. 
Forgiveness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by Holy Ghost, by love of unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor, by dishonor, by evil report, by good report, by deceivers, and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing all things he said that's my condemnation that I approve myself as a minister that's a long list long list tonight that's the things that I went through that's the things that I've been through that's the things that I've done things that I trust in that's the things that held me together that's the things that kept me going That's the things that make me what I am right there. We find his compassion. Look at chapter 7 and verse 2. He said, receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this condemn you. For I have said before that we are in that ye are in our hearts to die and to live with you. Great in my boldness of speech towards you, great in my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. This was Paul's compassion. He's saying, I love you. The very ones that were making fun of him, the very ones that came against him, the very ones that, that telling him that he needed to prove himself that Christ is in him, he said, I love you. I love you. You see, the Bible says it's nothing to tell somebody you love them who tell you they love you. (laughs) Even sinners do that, Jesus said. He's saying, I love you. My joy is for you. I've I've got great rejoicing in my heart for you. Oh, I know, I know tonight, I done found all that stuff on you. I done seen all your behaviors, all your conducts, and now you're questioning my apostleship. You're questioning my authority. You're questioning me being authentic tonight. You're questioning who Christ is in me. I'm letting you know right now that I want you to know, and I trust that you know that I am not a reprobate. And these are the reasons why. I love you. I rejoice in you. I'm glad with you. I'm comforted with you. We find here tonight, I want you to look at his communication. Chapter 10, verse 1. He said, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you in the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, and being absent I am bold towards you. This is the way he communicates with them. I communicate with you in the meekness of Christ. I don't come to you but with humility of Christ. I am going to have the characteristics of Christ. When I approach you, when we have communication, when we talk, when we go through process, when we go through situations, we go through difficulty, we go through times of goodness and times of bad, I want you to know I'm going to come to you in the characteristic of Jesus, and that is in meekness. I'll have humility. And not only that, but I'll come to you in the way of gentleness. Christ was gentle, Christ was meek, I'll be the same. You see, Paul is all just looking at what Christ is. And that's what he wants to be. Just like that. We find here tonight as well, I want you to notice his celebration. Chapter 10 and verse 12. Chapter 10 and verse 12. But we dare not make ourselves the number or compare ourselves with some that 
commend our... Verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, having, but having hope when your faith is increased that ye shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand but he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord for not he that commandeth commandeth himself is approved but whom the Lord commandeth and Paul saying that is exactly what my celebration is all about it's not me measuring myself against you It's me measuring myself against the rule of God. And when it's all said and done and I do meet that measure that I can find, I'm going to glory unto the Lord because it's Him that will commend me and not me commend them. Paul said that's what matters. It's not me commending, but Jesus commending me. Oh, I could say tonight, I'm just kind of getting the feeling that old Paul wasn't a reprobate. I'm kind of getting the feeling tonight that Paul had Christ in him. I want you to notice the commitment, chapter, chapter 11. Look in verse 7. He said, I have committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you, I wanted and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I kept myself from being burdensome unto you, since so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me. No man shall stop me at this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, listen, fellas, man, I have burdened you not. I have not laid anything of my supplies on you. I have not did anything to cause any trouble with any of you. And I even had the people from Macedonia to bring that supply to me so that my wants can be met. And then not only that, but the truth of Christ is in me. That's what's in me, the truth of Christ. We find tonight that Paul said everything I'm doing is because the truth of Christ is in me. We find here his conclusion, chapter 12, verse 5. He says, of such a one I'll glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth me. See, Paul didn't want anybody to think of him highly. He wanted everybody to think of him as who he is, but not above who he is. Then he goes on to say, 
unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet, yet lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might be depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For I am weak, then I am strong. That's the conclusion. Paul says, I glory in my infirmities. I pleasure in my infirmities. I am better off in my infirmities because when I am weak in my infirmities, he makes me strong. So Paul was saying, listen, man, no matter how bad it gets and how ugly it is, I'm just letting you know I'm going to glory in it. I'm going to raise up to God. Say, Lord, I'm better off with a thorn in my flesh. I'm better off with the tragedy in my life. I'm better off with a wife taken off. I'm better off with losing a job. I'm better off with a broken down car. I'm better off with the air condition blowing up. I'm better off. Because you know, Lord. So we're finding, we're finding Paul to be pretty genuine, aren't we? We see tonight not only Paul's premises, but I want you to notice lastly tonight Paul's persecutions. I want you to know it's tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, look in verse 9. He says, I think that the God has set forth us, the apostles last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. And we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable. But we are despised. For unto us this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor and working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and of the offscuring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. That's Paul's persecution for living for God. Do you think tonight if Paul was a reprobate that he'd go sleep somewhere he had no lay his head? That he'd keep on doing what he's doing so he has no had nothing to eat? Do you think tonight if Paul was a reprobate he'd keep on doing what he's doing and getting beat up and getting thrown in jail and getting to, and getting to the place where he's finding afflictions and he's finding trouble and everywhere he's going, friend, he's hated? You think you'll keep on being that away if you was a reprobate? Oh, no. Oh, no. The only way tonight that Paul kept on moving on and kept on going with God, and no matter if he was naked, no matter if he was hungry, no matter if he was homeless, no matter for him if he had all these troubles and problems and difficulties tonight, the only way is because Christ dwelt in him. And the only way tonight that you're going to face your tribulation, the only way is tonight you're going to face your problems, Christ in you. If you're a reprobate tonight, you'll get out. We find tonight Paul is why the world created of him. If you, they call that you're a spectacle of the world, you're the show of the world, you're a, 
You're entertainment of the world. Look at that Christian. He, he's the filth of the world. He's the scum of the world. He, he, he's the very dirt of the world. How would you like to be known as that? Well, you are. We find tonight why the world created of him. But then I want you to notice, third, secondly, what the world caused him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. We read this a while ago, but we'll read it once again. This is what the world caused him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We find tonight uh, that he faced trouble, and yet he was not stressed out over it. He faced perplexing, but he was not lost. It was not a lost cause. He said, I got hope in this. He, he was persecuted, but he was not alone. And then he was cast down, but he was not ruined. That was the world caused him. But how did the world seize on him? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We find that the Bible says that as the world was coming upon him, as the world was, was coming at him, he finds uh, that there the Bible says in verse 8, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was charged with no man for that which was lacking to me. And bread which came to Macedonia and all the things I kept myself from being burdened unto you, so will I keep myself. The truth of Christ is in me and no man shall stop me at this boasting of the regions. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth what for what I do that I will do, that I will make cut off occasion from that which desire occasion, that we're here in thy glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves in the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed in the angel of light. Paul said, man, I'm facing the devil. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse four. Verse five, it says, In stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings. That's what the world was converging on him. Chapter eleven, verse twenty three. Are the ministers of Christ, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings oft, in cold and nakedness. Besides all these that are without 
out that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He said, not only do I have all this coming at me on the outside, I also have all the care of the churches on the inside. Let me ask you a question tonight. Does that sound like somebody that's a reprobate? That sounds like somebody that would be, say, hey, that guy's a reprobate. Or would it be somebody tonight you'd say, Christ dwells in him. I mean, he just keeps on living for God. I mean, he just keeps on serving the Lord. No matter what he faces, no matter the trouble, the pain, the agony, no matter the difficulty, no matter all that the world throws at him, oh, Paul, he's going to finish his race. Lastly, Paul's passion. He says three things in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Turn back with me there. I read it well ago. I'm going to give you three thoughts here and we'll close. Paul says in verse 10, he said, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Paul's passion was this, to give my life up for Christ. That was his passion, to give my life up for Christ. Some of y'all living for your children. You'll give your life up for your children. Some of you are living for your spouse. Some of you are living for your 401. Some are living just to enjoy life. Some are living because you've got some side of future ahead. But Paul said, my, my passion is to live for Jesus. He says there in verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our body. To give my life up for Christ is my passion. The second passion of Christ. To show Christ life in my life. That's the second part of verse 10. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. Paul said, I have a passion, and that passion is that everybody would see Christ in my body. My life would be Christ's life. And when I live, they see Jesus, not Paul. Thirdly, tonight, in verse 11, he says, to reveal my life for his sake. He said, for we which live are already delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal bodies. All he's saying is this, is I want my body, I want my life to reveal his life for his sake, for his glory, for his praise, and for his honor. My passion for living on this earth is that everybody would see me living for Jesus' sake. Does that sound like a reprobate to you? Don't to me either. I believe Paul was replaced with Jesus. Do you? Remember this morning when I talked about what does it mean Christ in you being replaced? From what I preach and what I know and what I've read, I see that Paul was replaced. Jesus replaced him. I see that Paul was reserved, that Jesus lived his life through Paul. I see that Jesus ruled in Paul's life, but Jesus was in charge. I find tonight that uh, Paul is saying in chapter 13 and verse 6, 
But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. I would pray tonight that you would know that I am not a reprobate. And I would pray tonight that you would know that you're not a reprobate. How do I know that, Brother Larry? Well, I know that by the passion that I have, by the premise that I live, by the profession that I give. That's how I Let's stand our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you find tonight the similarities between you and Paul? He was just a man like you and I. We compare ourselves to Jesus, that's a great tall measurement. But when we measure ourselves to Paul, it's a very low attainable measurement. Tonight, do you have that profession that Paul has? Do you? Do you have that premise that Paul had? Do you have it? Do you have the persecutions that Paul had? And do you have the passion? He said, I trust that you know that we are not reprobates. What is a reprobate tonight? One who Christ does not live in, whom Christ is not in you. Reprobate means one who's been rejected, been unapproved, and become worthless. Paul said, I'm not that. I pray that nobody in this room is a reprobate. You sing, Brother George. Know yourselves. Prove yourselves. Examine yourselves. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Won't you come, dear friend? Won't you come this morning or this evening? Just say, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm ready to lay my life down. I'm ready to take up his life. And I'm ready for him to come into my heart and to save me. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come this morning or this evening?
soul. 